fresh every Tuesday for MSPs around the world. Around the world. This This is Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Podcast. Hello, my friend, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Here's what's coming up this week. Hi, my name is Ben Jones, and I'm a YouTube ad expert that's created millions of dollars in sales across a wide range of industries. I'm going to be showing you how you can grow and scale your MSP with YouTube ads. And on top of that fascinating interview with Ben, later in the show, we'll also talk about why you mustn't become despondent when you ask someone to buy from you and they say no. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. We're going to start this week by talking about something which affects a surprising number of MSP owners. And although there is a little bit of talk about it within the channel, it's not something that really is as high priority as it should be. And that is, of course, how we are doing. And I mean our mental health, I mean our physical health, and just how we're doing as people. You think about it, the the kind of the, the world that we're in, and I don't mean the big world, I mean the channel. It's a very male, uh, heavy uh, sector. You know, there's lots and lots of men, and men are typically, not always, but often they're not very good talking about their feelings, they're not very good talking about when they're not doing so well, or when they're exhausted, or when they're tired. There's a bit, still a bit of a macho, I can power through. There's blood coming out my ears, but I can power through. So there's that. And then there's just the very nature of tech. And tech itself is unbelievably busy and there's so much change and there's just huge amounts of activity and I know you as an MSP you're used to huge amounts of information being dumped on you every single day right there's just so much coming in and so much that you have to do and I think you get to kind of this time of the year where it's been a couple of months since Christmas so you you may have just thrown yourself into 2024 and you may not have realized that actually you, you probably need a break because it has been a couple of months uh, and maybe you're starting to feel a little bit stressed. So the, the problem is the real issue is actually recognizing that stress in the first place. You know at what point do you realize that actually you're feeling anxious a lot of the time. If you, I mean, do you ever do this? Do you ever sort of stop or maybe lay in bed at night and just think about your mental state and lie there and analyze, how am I feeling? This sounds a bit hippie, but actually the older I get, the more cool this stuff is to me. Do you ever lie there and think, how am I feeling? How was today? Was today a good day? Was it a bad day? Do I feel okay? Do I feel good? Do I feel anxious? How do I feel? And it's not just that kind of feeling. We we can actually spot, if we're aware of it, we can spot symptoms of stress by the very behaviours that we are exhibiting. For example, I'll give you a common one for me. Too much coffee. Now, I love my coffee. I have black Americanos. Uh, I love most coffees, apart from those really bitter little espressos. And on a normal day, I'll have two or three coffees. And then in the afternoon, I'll move on to sort of herbal teas and hippie stuff like that. And uh, I know I am a little more stressed than normal if I find myself drinking coffee in the afternoon. Guess what? When I'm drinking coffee in the afternoon, that then affects my sleep. And then that lack of sleep causes me to have more coffee the next day. So it's kind of an evil loop of feedback like that. And you have to be very careful of that. Another one for me, as well as coffee, is alcohol. Now, I don't drink a huge amount of alcohol. I have 
well, I was about to say a reasonable and normal amount of alcohol. What's normal? It's certainly not what you tell your doctor, is it? We all tell our doctor we drink a little bit less than we actually do. But again, if I'm a little bit stressed, if I'm more tired than usual, if my body or my mind are not quite as good as they could be, I will find myself drinking more alcohol. It's the same as the coffee. It's, well, I guess I'm trying to counteract the two, maybe. Uh, and, you know, I, I will just find it's easier to have just another glass of wine, or maybe I'll just have a, just have a beer on a Tuesday night. Well, that, that's not how it should be. Um, certainly, that's not how I choose for it to be for me. So for me, it's a warning sign that I need a break, that I'm stressed, that I'm, you know, that I'm tired. And then you can kind of go into the, the more obvious symptoms, such as paranoia, just thinking bad things, catching yourself having bad thoughts, or your sleep being disrupted in some way, and even getting up to go to the toilet two or three times in the night. Unless that is normal for you, for me, that's not normal. I might get up once in the night, some nights, not quite at that age yet where I have to be up every night, uh, but I know if I wake up two or three times, or I can't go to sleep, or I can't wake up in the morning, that kind of bad quality of sleep, or if I wake up tired. All of that, that bad quality of sleep, is actually indicative of stuff that's happened during the day. And if that happens two or three nights in a row, I, I recognise that as a symptom, a symptom of stress. And I think you can throw another one in there, which is just poor judgement. You know, if you find yourself either not able to make a decision or making decisions that you later reverse or you're second-guessing yourself or your team say to you, that's not quite, we, we don't think you've made quite made the right call there, boss. Uh, all of these can be symptoms that you need a break, that you're stressed, that you're not making, uh, you know, that you're not looking after yourself. And this is a key thing that we've got to look after ourselves. We're not getting any younger, you and me. I hit 50 this year. In the summer, I'm going to be 50. Now, that's terrifying, right? Because my 40s have gone just like that. And my 40s have been quite a challenging decade for a number of different reasons that I'll tell you about in the podcast at some point in the future when I'm ready to talk about some of the stuff, some of the cool things and not so cool things that have happened in my 40s. Maybe I'll have a 50th birthday special for that. Maybe not. We'll see. But the point is, you have to look after yourself because the older you get, uh, yeah, sure, the wiser you get, the more experience you get, but the more tired you get. This gets fatigued, this being your brain. Your body gets fatigued more. And you have to remember, core fundamental of being a business business owner is that the business is there for you and not the other way around. Let me say that again because that's kind of stupidly important. The business is there for you and not the other way around. And at the beginning, when we first become business owners, we forget this, don't we? Well, or, or we place it to one side because actually the business needs everything. We have to give ourselves to the business in order to make sure the business gets through those first difficult couple of years. And the problem is we get into a mindset and a way of working that is not healthy at all. And so month after month after month after month, we are there for the business rather than the business being there for us. Well, that's not a very sustainable situation. That's, that's a situation that ends in a stroke or a heart attack. And I don't say that flippantly. That's a genuine threat to you as a business owner is, is to be found slumped over your desk one morning by your team. And you're not coming back from that if you get the idea. So we've, we've got to look after ourselves. There's a number of things that we have to do. First of all, you have to watch out for those kind of symptoms. You need to be hyper aware of your own body and of your own mind. And 
you kind of already probably are aware when things aren't quite right, but the difference is, and maybe today is a line and you can draw a line and do this differently after today, but the difference is you need to act on that. If you know your brain is tired or your body is tired, or you find yourself procrastinating, that was another symptom I meant to mention, procrastination for me, massive procrastination is a symptom of tiredness that I need a break. So if you've got some symptoms and you know you're mentally or physically tired, take a break, right? I know you've got that migration and I know you've got those new users and you need to onboard that new client and you've got the new staff, but you know what? Take a break. Just take a few hours off, go for a walk, go to the cinema, go and hang out with some friends, buy a dog, steal a dog, take your dog for a walk, go and hang out with your other half for a bit, play with your kids for a few hours. You can always do that, that job, that things needs to be done tomorrow. It's very hard for us as business owners to be realistic about what we can do, but we've got to do that, especially as we get older and we get more tired. We've got to prioritise, we've got to be realistic, and the number one thing that you need to do is you need to look after yourself. This is not the job of your other half, this is not the job of your business partner, this is not the job of your staff or your kids. The number one job of you is to look after yourself. And do you know what? Actually, your business will thrive better in the long term the more that you look after yourself. Because without you, how can the business rely on you? It can't. You've got to look after yourself before you look after the business. Here's this week's clever idea. Here's a little sales scenario that I bet you have been through and I bet that you have experienced the exact emotions that I'm about to talk about. So you've got this lead and this lead turns into a prospect. You start having a conversation with them. Every single question that you ask them, the answers are amazing. They've got the right number of users. They've got the right attitude to technology. They're the kind of business that you want to work with. You like your principal contact. You put together a proposal. The package seems right. The price seems right. Everything seems right. You're going to do this. You and your new clients are going to get together and you're going to stay together for 20 years. And then they call you one day and they say, yeah, so um, we've decided to, and it's either stay with their incumbent or it's go with someone else. And you're genuinely gobsmacked. I mean, like properly, utterly, what, what, how? You know, like when you met that girl or that, that boy, whichever it was, back in the day, and you utterly fell in love and you were convinced that you guys were going to get married. And then one day they ended it. And it's that similar kind of, it's like being punched in the face repeatedly by Rocky in the 1980s and Rambo. Rocky and Rambo both having a go at you. And you genuinely, you, you're, you're shocked by it. It's a complete shock. It's that exact same thing. Have you experienced this? If you haven't experienced this yet, I promise you it will happen to you. Not necessarily in love, but definitely in business. Sometimes we meet people that seem to be the perfect match for us. They are the ones, the ones to come and join us to be our new flagship clients. And for some reason, they say no. Here's the thing. I want you to get it really clear in your head, well, partly in your head, but more in your heart, that just because someone says no today, they don't mean no forever. Now, this is not dating advice, (laughs) but it is business sales advice. You see, that super hot prospect that you form that great relationship with, you feel so close to them, it feels like it could happen. They say no to you today. The thing is, in a couple of years' time, they could be back. Because what if they have stayed with their incumbent? People stay with their incumbent MSP through fear. They don't know what they don't know about technology 
and all of the, the world that we live in, the technology world we live in. So sometimes it feels safer for them to stay with their incumbent than to move over to someone new. They may dislike their incumbent and not be satisfied and have noticed the service levels have dropped and the prices have gone up and they're unhappy, but at least they know them. They know that the incumbent haven't and, and probably won't do damage to their business and to their technology. And they may like you better and the price may be right and the package may be right, but you're still a devil they don't know. Better the devil you know than the devil you don't, right? This is how people think, or actually it's more how they act. So they stay with their incumbent. They have massive trauma about it, but they stay with their incumbent. Now, you and I both know they are going to leave that incumbent at some point, right? So unless that incumbent completely changes their business and, and essentially re-wins that client, they are going to leave at the end of the next contract or the one after that. We'll come back on to how you can make sure you're there in a second. Uh, what about if someone says no and goes with one of your competitors? Maybe they've made the right choice. Maybe one of your competitors is a better fit. Maybe they've made the wrong choice. You're good at what you do, right? By the way, this is the point you should be hail marrying at the, at the podcast. You should be like, hell yeah, we are brilliant at what we do. You're good at what you do, right? Yes? Then don't you owe it to the business owners of your town or your vertical or your niche. Don't you owe it to them to make sure they pick you and they don't make a mistake and they pick a competitor? Yes, you do. You owe it to them. You mustn't let them go off and make the wrong choice. But sometimes they will. So in each of these scenarios and any other scenario where a really hot prospect that you thought was yours has gone off to somewhere else, you must never take no as no forever. It is simply no today. We get a bit wounded, don't we, as business owners. We take it personally. When someone doesn't pick our business or when someone leaves us, whether that's staff or whether that's clients, we, we kind of take it, we do, we, we see it as not just them doing business, we see it that they've rejected us. And particularly if you're male, the fragile male ego doesn't like that, doesn't like rejection, doesn't like the thought that someone might leave you. It's horrible when your staff do it, if, unless you want that staff member to leave, but it's kind of worse when a client does it because it's the ultimate rejection, especially if you've been doing what you think is a good job. And it's the same when a prospect says no. The inclination is to push them away and say, well, screw you then. If you don't want to work with us, we don't want to work with you. Uh-uh, that's the wrong attitude. Here's what you want to do. You want to look at that person as someone who has made a terrible mistake. They have stayed with their incumbent or they have moved to one of your competitors or whatever they have done. And now it is your job to rescue them from that bad mistake. And the way you rescue them is through the power of marketing. You keep following them up. You keep them on your email newsletter. You stay in touch with them through LinkedIn. You drop them emails now and again. You might just pick up the phone now and again just to have a chat. You send them stuff in the post. It could be your printed newsletter, which is a really cool thing, or you could just now and again find something that you think, oh, XYZ prospect who nearly signed up with me would find that interesting. I'm gonna print that off, write a little handwritten note on it and send it to them in the post, because that, believe me, is gonna stand out more than anything else. You find out when they are next gonna be doing a review, and if you don't know, it's probably 12, 24, or 36 months after the last time you spoke to them or the last time they started that process. You stay in touch with them and you make sure that when that review comes up, you have such a good relationship. In fact, your relationship has got even stronger over the last couple of years. The relationship is so strong that you get yourself a place at the table again. 
Will you win that sale? Maybe, maybe not. Will all of them come over to you? Of course they won't. You can't win all of the prospects over all of the time. But you know what? You will win more of them by being mature, having a mature relationship, and never, ever stopping with your follow-up, making sure you keep marketing to these people until they make the smart choice, eventually, to choose you. Paul's, Paul's blatant, plug. blatant plug. I'm just wondering, are you and I connected on LinkedIn? Because if we're not, let's connect. I'm connected to about 8,000 MSPs right now. I've got just under 9,000 that are following me. And uh, I put out all sorts of useful content on there, stuff that enhances the podcast. I do a particularly good LinkedIn newsletter every single Thursday. If you want to connect, you can, just, you can actually kind of Google it. Just Google LinkedIn Paul Green MSP Marketing Edge. And it's me that comes up as the first result. Google LinkedIn Paul Green MSP Marketing Edge. The big, big, big interview. Hi, I'm Ben Jones. I have MSPs growing scale with YouTube ads. Thank you so much for joining me on the show, Ben, because we all know that YouTube is massive and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger every year. We all spend more and more of our time on it, consuming great content. And then we see the adverts come up and the adverts have been popping up again and again and again in the videos. And sometimes you skip over them and sometimes you don't. But I'm sure every MSP it has occurred to them at some point of, I wonder if I could use YouTube to get business for my business. And that's something we're going to explore in this interview. Let's do a quick credibility check first of all. So what do you do with businesses to help them with YouTube and how did you get to this position? Yeah, cool. Look, I've been in marketing for uh, well over seven or eight years now. Uh, we've helped lots of businesses grow and scale to over seven figures with YouTube advertising. We personally spent over a million dollars on YouTube ads in the last year with a lot of our clients actually are doing over 100K in their first 100 days just starting with YouTube advertising. So I guess if I was to sum it up in a sentence, we've helped you know, businesses in a wide variety of niches grow and scale using, using YouTube advertising. Fantastic. Now, as I say, YouTube is is massive, and you know, I find myself watching YouTube every day. Obviously, I do searches for how do you do something, or I'm looking for information on something, and then in the evening, I'll watch one thing on Netflix or Disney or something, and then just just flick over to YouTube for ten minutes, which we all know becomes forty minutes as you as you go down the the YouTube rabbit hole. Um, what I mean, YouTube has has just been a phenomenal uh, growth story. It's only been around was it nineteen years uh, this year. So how how have you seen in the years you've been working on YouTube, how have you seen it grow and change and adapt? Yeah, look, I think YouTube is massive. And at the moment, um, we've all heard about the, you know, the war for attention and YouTube basically has taken over pretty much um, everyone's devices. The big one that's taking out is cable companies like Netflix and Hulu and all of those. And I think it, as far as attention goes, YouTube is really good at getting attention because YouTube's on TVs and it's just absolutely everywhere. What's really exciting though is only about less than 10% of business owners actually advertising on YouTube at the moment. So it's kind of at the moment really positioned as an, as an opportunity of a lifetime. I mean, if you go back a decade, Facebook was the thing, right? Now it's oversaturated. You go back two decades, it was Google search. And, you know, that was amazing. But, you know, then it got really expensive. And I, all these platforms go through what I call an adoption curve. And YouTube at the moment is pretty much positioned to say where Facebook was a decade ago, search was probably two decades ago, email was in the 90s. So it's really awesome opportunity to get in and be rewarded as an early adopter. 
Yeah, which which, which is a, a, a kind of strange for us talking about something being an early adopter of something when the service has been around since 2005. You know, that, that was when YouTube was started. Of course, you, YouTube, you know, was independently owned for, what was it, a year before Google bought it. And have, have, have I mean, so, someone at Google has either had an incredible vision or they've just been very, very, very patient, plowing money and resources and creating, you know, the, the world's biggest, by far biggest video site. My, my gut feel on why YouTube is so big is because you get kind of like you do with most social networks, you get a very personalized feed for you, but the YouTube um, algorithm and the YouTube feed seems especially, especially personalized to you. And I say this because in my house, there's just me and there's my 13-year-old daughter, and we're both logged into YouTube on the t on the TV. And when I go into my, U well, when I go into her YouTube, I see, you know, musical theater stuff, I see TikTok stuff, which weirdly is on YouTube, and it's kind of like 13-year-old stuff. And then I go into my feed, and it's, you know, it's astonishingly different. It's Star Trek. It's, you know, last night I watched a guy who's who's digging a tunnel under his house in the UK to create like a bat cave, which doesn't seem legal, but it was a fascinating 20-minute video. And it's all the kind of stuff that I'm interested in. And this is this is the clever trick that YouTube has pulled off, isn't it? This is what makes it re seem relevant to every single person. Yeah, I think so. And the cool thing with, with Google, particularly that owns YouTube, which is a good side issue, is it has all your history of where you not only what you're watching on YouTube, but what you're browsing online, what websites you're visiting. It knows what your interests are kind of before you even go there. It's got your browser history. Uh, it knows what apps are on your phone. You know, it knows exactly what searches you're putting into Google. So for it to be able to give you relevant content and also what you can use in the ad targeting is really, really cool. And I think that's how they pull it off. And I mean, YouTube is literally very similar size to Facebook in terms of daily users. Uh, in COVID, it was actually more. And the fun thing is if it's the second largest search engine behind Google. So if you got Yahoo, Bing, uh, AOL, Asta Vista and combined all those together, YouTube is still bigger than all of them, right? So it's it's just a massive platform. Anything from from search to, to content in terms of you know the user experience. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. The the idea that Google is using your other search history to affect what you see on YouTube and the adverts you see on YouTube, that's particularly of interest. Let's part that because we'll, we'll come back to that in a second. Let's first of all talk about adverts. So obviously, the average MSP, they're looking for more B2B clients. They're not interested in residential. They're not interested in consumers with cracked iPad screens. They want you know, 10, 20, 30 user businesses who are looking for a, a strategist, a technology strategist. They're looking for someone to proactively maintain their technology and, of course, you know, cybersecurity. Is, is bigger than ever these days. Can we reach those decision makers on YouTube where, you know, traditionally, as we said, it's it's cat videos, it's people tunneling under houses and doing stuff like that. Why, why is it so easy for us still to reach those decision makers? Yeah, I think particularly with YouTube, the, the targeting on YouTube that you can do is unparalleled to pretty much anything else out there. For example, you can we call it like a credit card out targeting approach. So if the first thing that you want to do is target people who are genuinely interested in this case, it's going to be like um, business owners who basically need tech support and help. Right. Um, and then our next layer would be like, can they afford our services? And this is revolutionary. So the cool thing you can do on YouTube here is you can actually target people who are, are based in income levels. So you might pick a certain uh, suburb, zip code, postcode, and you can basically say, look, I want the top 30% of business owners in this, in this area. So that way you're only talking to people who actually can afford your products or services, which is a big deal, right? And then from there, we want to really like, are these people looking to buy right now? And what you can do with YouTube, which you just can't do anywhere else is a couple of really cool things. 
One is you can actually just target uh, people who are searching for, hey, I need um, you know cybersecurity help or I need uh, this tech help in my business, right? Like whatever it is your speciality that you might do within your business, you can search people looking for that or a provider for this thing in your local area. And then when they go to YouTube, you can show them ads. So I mean, that's, that's basically as good as intent as you're gonna find anywhere. The other really cool thing that you can do is actually target your competitors' websites, which is really fun. So go find all your bigger competitors and stuff like that, and you can literally, you know, target people who are visiting websites like that or looking at services that you provide and then show them your ad. So if you combine them together, like, hey, look, this is a business owner who's interested in having, um, you know, tech services or cybersecurity supplied for me. And then from there, it's like, yes, they can afford my product. So we want to only target people with a certain income bracket. And then from there, it's like, of all of those, I want to only target people who are literally searching for my product or service, then show me an ad. And that's why the, the leads on YouTube are pretty much unparalleled to anywhere else in terms of being able to target that, that exact business owner, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Now, one of the issues that MSPs have with Google Ads is that they're very, very expensive. There's, there's obviously, you know, there might be, let's say, 50 MSPs in, in, in a small city uh, trying to attract the same kind of business. There's plenty of business for everyone, but in terms of Google searches, obviously, there's only two or three ads that appear. The cost per click is, is huge, and you typically have to, you know, you have to deal with a lot of noise, a lot of, you know, people with cracked iPad screens who just aren't reading the advert, but they're, they're, they're they, you know, they're, they're, they're clicking on the link costing you 20 30 dollars us dollars and then uh, and then sort of inquiring to you and wasting your time so with youtube do is, is that a similar position that you, you're going to be paying a, a very high price per click or do the, the targeting tools make it actually easier to to avoid the the, the wastage yeah so let's we'll compare apples to apples there so basically if you want to target someone who's searching for you know best msp in my area for example uh versus you know like best service provider or whatever it might be um, on Google search. Now, if we go to Google search, you're going to get like 15 to 30 characters. You're going to pop up the top. You're going to compete with everyone. That's horrible, right? It's the most expensive click that you're going to pay on the internet. Compare that with YouTube. You can target that same person because Google owns YouTube. So target that same person searching, but you can show them a YouTube ad. Now, the way YouTube ads are charged are different. Um, they're usually free. So the YouTube ads I'm talking about here, there's lots of different types, are what's called a pre-roll ad. So, you know, when you're watching your content, you're like five seconds to skip, and you're waiting to skip, they're the ads I'm talking about, right? So we want those ads and you're actually not charged for the first 30 seconds. The first 30 seconds of that ad is free. If they watch more than that, um, you get charged or if they skip your ad, that's free too, right? So basically instead of 30 characters or 15 to 30 characters you get in a search ad, you now get 30 seconds of video. Now you can say a lot in 30 seconds of video, right? So the, in terms of like how much it costs, on average, depending because we work with a lot of companies who are doing, particularly software companies as well, that are doing cost per click, uh, sorry, Google CPC like search keywords, which is really expensive. Usually if you compare like what's that's costing on YouTube for exactly the same click, they're usually about half to a third of the price. So you get to get in front of the same person for a half to third of the price than say everyone who's doing search ads and you've been able to have a video on the front end. Uh, which is free for the first 30 seconds. So the lead you get from that is obviously way better than search anyway because you've been able to usually help someone in your ad if you've got a value-based ad, which I'd recommend. So I guess like that's the big difference to answer your question, like how do you overcome everyone who's in search? Well, by using YouTube because around 10% of people who are doing uh, cost-per-click advertising are on YouTube ads. So, and, and they're you know half to a third of the price cheaper than what you're going to spend in search. 
Yeah, no, that makes sense. So let's talk about the actual ad itself. And you just mentioned something called a value-based ad. Can you explain what that is and what kind of ads work best in your experience on YouTube? Yeah, so look, the ad needs to be broken down into four parts. Um, this is what we find works really well. So before we get into the four parts, you want to have an ad that ent entertains or educates people in some way. Basically, give people value, help them in some way, okay? Um, so for example, you might say, hey, look, have you got a cybersecurity issue? Here's two or three things that, that you could probably do that would help. Okay, and if you'd like to know more, click here. Okay, that might be the, the overall. Or here's three cybersecurity risks you didn't know that you had. Okay, you could probably do that one um, a bit better or, you know, whatever the thing is that, that people need help with. So once you found out like what's your ad going to be about, the first thing that you want to do is the hook. So that's the first part of your ad. Now that covers the first five seconds. So if I'm watching YouTube and I've got five seconds to skip, that's exactly where your hook wants to go. So best type of hook that we found is a rhetorical question where people say yes, okay? So for example, are you sick of burning money on Facebook ads? Yes, that would be a good hook, right? That's one we use. Now, the other one would be, the next bit's your elevator pitch. So in here, before the 30 seconds, you wanna like pitch, tell people what's in the video and how you're gonna help them. So usually I would say something like, hey, my name's Ben Jones, I've helped you know, multiple business owners generate millions of dollars online with YouTube ads. If you hang around this video, I'll show you the three things you didn't know about YouTube ads that can help you grow and scale your business. Something like that right? And then you, you do the story. Now, the story part is the third part of your four parts. And in here, you're going to actually tell them, well, what are the three secrets? What are the three hacks? Or what are the three things I need to avoid? Or, you know, it doesn't have to, here's a case study of someone else I've helped or whatever it might be, but tell them or teach them or help them in some way. Uh, if you can be funny, then that's great too. Be funny. Um, a lot of business owners we meet are usually better at helping people than be funny, but hey, it's up to you. And, um, and then at the end, that, that's your close. Okay, that's part four. So in part four, we want to have probably about a 15 second close. It'll go something like, hey, if you're interested in getting X solution, all you need to do is click on the link and we look forward to seeing you on the other side. And then at the end, you want to have a little end screen with arrows to click, right? So so that's pretty much how you would do a really good ad. Um, and you probably you probably want two types. You probably want to, the next question, I guess, how long? So probably about two and a half minutes is a good place to start testing. Once you've got your messaging and an ad that works, you can probably shoot like a, a vertical ad and do like an under a minute ad in YouTube shorts and stuff. But I would just start with a horizontal ad about two and a half minutes in that format and um, you'll be good to go. Easy. You make it sound so easy. Um, I guess, <laughs> is this where you find a lot of business owners get stuck is actually creating that ad. So coming up with the idea and, and you know, I mean, you say two and a half minutes, that's hours, you know, that's hours and hours and hours of work because you can do two and a half crap minutes on a phone or you can put a lot of effort into it and you don't often see a lot of crap adverts on YouTube. No, and this is where YouTube ads are different to Facebook ads. Okay, what you can't do is go get some salesy ad from Facebook that's, you know, like a minute long or something crazy. And it's like, hey, you know, rugs a million, you know, discount bargain, 50% off all that. doesn't work on YouTube, right? Because people go to YouTube for a different reason than Facebook. People go to YouTube for entertainment. You know, they want to be entertained or educated in some way. And that just doesn't, it's not congruent. You know, if you're scrolling through looking at what people had for breakfast and cats and stuff, then yeah, mm -hmm. then that's why that other type of ad format works, right? Um, so what you want to do here is when you're shooting your ad, um, just keep it really simple and, and try and be as, as authentic and genuine as possible. Because here's the thing, like don't create studio-based ads. Just create something really simple. Like 90% of our clients actually shoot their ads off their phone and like a gimbal or something like that. Um, because the content on YouTube, for example, is exactly like this. It's a guy sitting at his desk with his podcast mask, right? So you don't need to have 
big expensive ads. You just have something that actually helps people and be genuine about it. In terms of writing the script, um, look, we do have some some script templates that I'm happy to give anyone who's listening to this on, um, you know, that you can use with AI and chat GPT and that sort of thing. But even without those, just get started with that for, for framework. Like if you went to chat GPT and you're like, hey, look, this is the, the four-part framework that I want to use um, with my script, you could probably get a whole script knocked out in 10 minutes, right? So don't, don't make it harder than it has to be. Just get the script, get it shot, and, and get it done. So Yeah. Yeah, that that makes sense. I think ad, getting the ads right is, is is very hard, and I say this as someone I, I try not to get involved with with adverts. My my approach is more a direct marketing approach, which is you know about building audiences and proactively you know building a relationship with them, and then phoning people and, and direct mailing them, and 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 so I, I look at ads and and and. I, often I'll be like, hmm, I'm not quite sure what I would do there. But like every other human on the planet, I know a bad advert when I see it. The um, the pre-roll for me on YouTube at the moment are two sets of adverts. Um, and, and and we're recording this interview in November uh, last year, just to, just to set some context, because I'm sure it will be replaced by now. But I keep seeing a, a Pixel, one for a Pixel phone on Google, um, like the, the new Pixel 8 or something. And it's got like a face replace where, you know, if, if you take a photo of someone and they're looking like that, you it actually takes several photos and you can replace their face and that's okay except it's I see it all the time it seems to come up before every single video and I know that Google's essentially getting free advertising because it's advertising its own phone on its own platform but that's that just annoys me because I'd like to see different versions of that advert I'm, I'm seeing the same advert every single night but the other one that really annoys me is, is an advert for a company called Gong and I know that Gong is like Monday.com. So it's like um, you know, a project management collaboration type software. The only reason I know this is because I had to Google it to see what they do. Because the adverse is a bunch of people's backs hitting gongs. That's it. And it's like a four or five second pre-roll advert. And it just it's like gong, 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 gong.io or gong.com or whatever it is. And I must have watched that advert four or five times before thinking, what the hell is this? What am I actually, what is this service? What am I watching? Versus, I remember the adverts I used to see for monday.com probably about a year ago, which as I say, is a, is a competitor, very well-funded VC-backed competitor. And they went, jumped straight into, if work is complicated, we make it simple. Or whatever their, whatever their value message was and and the two approaches couldn't be completely different do you do you see I, I understand how business owners or how, how even advertising agencies get lost in that because they get so caught up in all the things we're trying to say and standing out and doing something amazing visually do you find that business owners find it very hard to, to create adverts for their own business because they're too close to it or, or or actually is that is that is that just just you know a bad example that happened to be on my YouTube? Yeah, so there's two things there. One is uh, the type of ad that's being run. So a lot of big corporates and like VC-funded people um, will actually do non-skippable ads and they'll go for like 15 seconds or something and they'll be really annoying and, you know, they're basically for brand awareness, right? So they're not for direct marketing like, hey, we want to lead and we want to call them up and we want to make sales, right? So those type of ads are no good here, <laughs> okay? So what the ad that we're looking for here is a skippable ad. So if you don't like it, you can skip it in five seconds. So that's an important difference. Um, and I think the problem that a lot of big corporates have is they try and treat YouTube like TV and it's not, and they haven't figured that out yet. So, um, anyway, so that's one. The, the other thing would be, um, in terms of like the messaging, I think monday.com, you can go have a look at some of those ads. That's a really great example. They have some really cool ads. They are a bit more studio, like top end. Um, but the messaging and the way they do their scripting is quite clever, right? So 
Uh, and you'll find if you sort of dissect their ads a little, they'll, they'll have a similar format. They'll have a hook, like you said at the beginning, and then they'll go into like a, a value proposition of how they can help them, what their software does. And if you're interested, click here to find out more, right? So it's a, it's the same deal. Like have an ad that actually helps people who are experiencing a problem and deliver them value in the ad. And your ad are going to convert way better than some guy just hitting a gong all day long, right? So yeah. uh, and that just comes back to having that four parts that I, I spoke about earlier. So if you can, yeah. if you can, nail that like have a value-based ad um you're going to do way better than someone who just has some ridiculous stupid corporate ad yeah i love <laughs> so. that no you're absolutely right that's, that's great guidance and of course you don't need to go and look up monday.com's adverts on youtube you can just visit monday.com in your browser uh, where you're logged into google and inevitably that monday.com advert is going to appear on your youtube uh in, in in a couple of days time if if they've got an advertising campaign running at the moment ben thank you so much for sharing with us your insights into youtube advertising so tell us what you do for msps how can we get your help and what's the best way to get in touch with you yeah, look, we, we offer a bunch of free training. Uh, we want to help as many people as we can get started with YouTube. And, uh, you know, we have some free training, a whole bunch of stuff like that just to get people set up and get going. And I guess that's really the big part. Just go out there and start to take some action. Like at the moment, YouTube ads are really primed for uh, the, probably the best opportunity in paid ads out there at the moment. So just get out there and get started. Look, if you get started with 100 bucks a day or even if it's like $30 or $10 a day, that's way better than just not doing anything, right? <laughs> so uh, get out there, get amongst it. Uh, we, like I said, if you're interested in some free training and stuff, you can check us out at titanmarketer.com. So that's titanmarketer with an er.com. Uh, if you're interested in connecting with me, um, just Ben or Benjamin Jones on LinkedIn and type in YouTube, I'll pop up. But other than that, guys, hopefully we've been able to help you guys in some way. Thank you so much, Paul, for having me. Um, best of luck to all the MSPs out there. Hopefully you guys can grow and scale your business with YouTube ads, and I've helped you along your journey to do that. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. This week's recommended book. Hi, I'm Michelle from I'm Your PA, and the book that I recommend is Susan Jeffers' Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. And the reason I recommend that is sometimes we doubt ourselves completely, but you should just get on and do it. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Coming up, Coming up next week. Hi there, it's David Duffett. And if you want to get more deals over the line or you simply want your communications to land even better, especially with non-technical people, then join me on Paul's podcast. On top of that interview with David next week, I have the most insane idea for you. Even though next week it's only going to be March, I'm going to suggest that you send some Christmas cards and Christmas presents to your prospects. I'll explain why next week. Join me next Tuesday and have a very profitable week in your MSP. Made in the UK. For MSPs around the world. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast.